0: to episode 14 of Thief's Monthly Movie Loot. The world's still going crazy, so why not go crazy watching films, right? We're already halfway through June, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about the first films I've seen during the month. Let's go! A freebie I started the month with 2019's Uncut Gems, even before I settled in the categories for the month. But it was on Netflix and all my brothers were talking about it, so why not? The film follows Howard Radner, played by Adam Sandler, the owner of a jewelry that also happens to be a compulsive gambler. Radner spends the course of the film going through a chain of bold transactions and shady deals to try to win enough money to pay his debts, but mostly to get something for his health, his quote-unquote win. To me, the film's success lies mainly in two things. First, in how it evokes a sense of constant dread and uneasiness as we witness the extent that Ratner would go for his win. And second, in how it manages to pull a great dramatic performance from none other than Adam Sandler. As someone who still hasn't seen Punch Drunk Love, it was great to see him in a more serious and raw performance than I'm used to. Kudos also to the rest of the cast, particularly Julia Fox, who I think debuted with this, This is also my first Safdie Brothers film, but their energetic direction was another plus, contributing to the sense of tension and nonstop craziness of the film. Like I said, this is still on Netflix and it's definitely worth a watch. Any film that starts with the letters K or L. For this category, I chose 2012's Killing Them Softly. This is a film that I don't remember hearing or reading much about. It kind of came and went without much fanfare. It is set against the backdrop of the 2007 US recession and the upcoming presidential elections. The film follows Jackie, played by Brad Pitt, a hitman hired to take care of two low-level robbers, played by Scott McNary and Ben Mendelsohn, who steal from a mob gambling operation. Overall, the film is not subtle at all in how it handles its parallelisms between its plot and the state of the US economy, in how some people, mostly the lower level guys, are dispatched while others are discarded because of age or because of public perception. Despite that unsubtlety, it is mostly well executed with some solid acting from Pete, McNary and Mendelssohn, as well as Ray Liotta, James Gandolfini and Richard Jenkins, among others. Andrew Dominic's direction is also mostly effective as he chooses an interesting, more introspective pace to things. He does a good job, but it does result in some spots where the film feels a bit sluggish, but the performances and the witty script and dialogue help to smooth things over. A film from the 1001 movies you must see before you die list whose ranking includes the number 6. For this category, I chose Gallipoli, which is ranked at 668 on the list. This is one I've had on my radar for a while. Set in Australia in the wake of World War I, it follows competitive runners and rivals turned friends Archie and Frank, played by Mark Lee and Mel Gibson. As they decide to enlist in the Australian Army as a result, they are sent to the Gallipoli Peninsula where they will face the army of the Ottoman Empire. The film serves not only as a war film, but also as a coming-of-age-slash-friendship film, as we see both lead characters develop a friendship in their hometown, and then mature and evolve as they go into basic training, and subsequently the war. In the process, we see them slowly become disillusioned with the events around them. Both lead actors, Mark Lee and Mel Gibson, are pretty good, but Gibson is the best of the two. Their performance and the way their friendship unfolds is believable because of them, the final act is hindered by the sudden appearance of some cartoonishly bad superior officers, but the performances and Weir's direction help carry it through to its tragic ending. A film from the nineteen fifties. For this category I chose 1955's to catch a thief. This is my 37th Hitchcock film overall, and one that I had always heard it's more middle tier. Still, it's Hitchcock, so why not give it a chance? The film follows retired cat burglar John Robbie, played by Cary Grant, as he is framed for a series of robberies at the French Riviera, forcing him to investigate who's behind it. Overall, I don't think the film is bad. For most of its duration, it is fun and breezy, but in the end, I have to agree with the general consensus that this belongs in Hitchcock's middle tier. Despite good direction and dialogue, the story isn't that interesting and the reveal and the last act lack the punch and impact of other of his films. The two big plus here are first the performances. Grant Morton carries the film with his suave performance and his chemistry with it Grace Kelly is superb. Kelly also proves how good of a lead actress she is by holding her own against Grant, and her performance makes the relationship with Grant to feel real and believable despite the age difference. Also, the dialogue and script are great, as we get to see how much Hitchcock liked to play with words and innuendo to push the envelope. I just felt that it fizzled towards the end, which is unfortunate. A film about friendship or best friends. This category is because of Best Friend Day, which was on June 8th, and I ended up choosing Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. To those that have seen the film, that might seem funny, but this is another one I wanted to see for a while, so I was willing to flex the categories a bit to include it. You could say it fits several other categories I have in. It is a horror film, a film about fathers maybe... The film follows a duo of lighthouse keepers, played by Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, that end up stranded by a storm. As they wait for the storm to pass and their ship to return, they struggle to keep their sanity but end up overcome by violence and jealousy instead. There's certainly a lot to unpack here, but I'll just say that this film entered a select group of films I felt the urge to rewatch within 24 hours of the first watch, which I did. The select group includes Persona, Memento, and a couple of Lynch films, among others. Eggers takes what seems like a mishmash of Greek mythology and Norse folklore to really dig into the psyche of these two men, particularly Pattinson who seems to be carrying a lot of issues like a shady past, alcoholism, homosexual repression, and just plain daddy issues. Both performances are great, while the direction and cinematography are mesmerizing and gorgeous with some haunting imagery. Definitely the kind of film that sticks with you in more ways than one. Like I said, I felt so captivated by it that I saw it a second time the next day. If you're into films with ambiguous scripts and non-linear narrative, then this is for you. A Film with an Herb or Spice in its title Herbs and Spice Day was celebrated in June 10, and for this category I chose Roman Polanski's Rosemary Baby. This is one I hadn't seen in a good while but I felt it was due for a rewatch. The film follows a young couple, played by Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes, that find themselves in the middle of what seems to be a satanic cult that threatens the safety of their unborn baby. This is a film that lives and succeeds on its dread and atmosphere, as well as the tragic eeriness of its resolution, instead of relying on visuals. Polanski does a great job of building up the tension and setting up the stage for what happens later on the film, but it is Farrow's performance that carries most of it. A combination of frailty and determination, she sells the role of the woman that's up against the world, and then some more haven't been so long since i first saw it i was surprised by two things by the way i'm going to spoil the film so if you haven't seen it go away log into prime or hulu and see it on the other hand just skip ahead a few seconds but anyway the first thing that surprised me is that i didn't remember that rosemary's husband guy was in on it which is an inherently dark and tragic twist augmented by how far he goes for things to happen Casavetes walks that fine line between charming and awkwardly creepy and selfish. The second thing that surprised me is probably the weirdest, but after the ending, I was thinking to myself, wasn't there a quick flash where we see the baby with the black eyes? Turns out that there isn't, but that says a lot about how effective the film is. In that I had lived all these years since I last saw it, creeped out by an image that didn't exist, but was rather created by my subconscious. This is creepy stuff. But anyway, the film is chilling, creepy, and effective, which is the least I can ask from a horror film. So that's everything I've seen this month so far. I still have 10 more categories pending for the rest of June, which are a film with the number six in its title, a horror film, a film about fathers, a film about LGBTQ lifestyles, a film with Marilyn Monroe, a film with a repeated word in its title, a film set in Hawaii, a film from the Philippines, a film with the word summer in its title, and a film about a meteor. As usual, if you have any recommendation for any of these categories, look me up and let me know. Remember that you can find me on Twitter at TIFCGT, T-H-I-E-F-C-G-T, or on Letterboxd as tif 12 You can also write to me to let me know what you think of the podcast or the films I've discussed already. Also, don't forget to like, follow, and share the link. So that's it for episode 14. Thank you for listening. I hope you all stay safe. Have a great week. God. You didn't even move. Nah. No. I wonder what if I come in on the left side, right? Just out here. You see this right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'll miss you, Scott. I miss you too, Peachy. <laughs> Man, you guys got the weirdest goodbye, Richards. <laughs> All right, break me